And I thought it would be cool to do a series called the And Series. The And Series. And uh, where we're going to be going over the next three weeks is thinking specifically of the gospel. The gospel that we understand. The gospel that we delight in. The gospel that has saved us. I want to draw out three important connection points in this gospel. There'll probably be more that we come back to in the month of August. But uh, three sermons here. The first today is victim and perpetrator. Victim and perpetrator. I'll be saying more about that in a minute. Uh, Next week, Scott is going to be preaching a sermon titled Savior and Lord. You see how important the and is. Keeping these connections, keeping the full view of this gospel. And then Pastor Alex will be preaching the following week uh, a sermon on election and evangelism. Why uh, both and? It's a both and that we delight in and that we proclaim. So the and series is where we're going to be for a few weeks. Uh, Let's begin with victim and perpetrator. Let me just tell you up front what I mean by this. We are indeed all, all of us here, victims of sins against us. We have received uh, the harm and the hurt of other people's sin against us. Now, in this room, I know that is uh, to varying degrees. Some of you have gone through all hell, as it were. Just horrific pain, betrayal, hurt, deep, deep wounds. Sometimes by those who should be the opposite. The, The protectors have been the offenders the sinners against you. And that leaves incredible pain and hurt. And so, yes, we are both victims, but we are also perpetrators. We, We are sinners. We are those who have indeed committed sins. And so both of these are in view in Scripture. And when we think about the gospel, it's important for us to have both of these in our mind as we declare the gospel to people that we love and care about. And so if we choose one or the, or, one or the other, we err uh, and we, 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 we leave off a part of the glory of our Savior. So let me set the stage a little bit with, with the importance of the and. Why, why, did it, why is it so important to see the and? Well, a little bit on this here. Sometimes, as we saw with Second Peter, we confront blatant falsehood. It's just right there. It's truth that is completely lifted and twisted, and, and you see it, and you're like, nope, that's false teaching, that is, that is wrong. But maybe what's more difficult to spot is the falsehood that would come through omission. The, the falsehood that would be there when, in fact, it's what has been spoken is true, but there has been an important aspect of uh, the presentation that has been purposely left off. When I was in Michigan at Mars Hill Bible Church under Pastor Rob Bell, believe it or not, uh, was there, and I would have these moments where I would hear Rob preaching, (laughs) and I'd be like, yes, that's true, that's true, and then he would close in prayer, (laughs) and I'm like, wait a second, there's more that needs to be said, and this is what's tricky about this. It's very difficult to notice what's not been spoken, to notice what's missing, but what about the rest of the story, you see? So I think at times this can be purposeful. At other times it can be uh, accidental. But as believers who are called to both discern the message 
that is being declared and proclaim the message. We need to be able to see the full gospel, to discern what is missing, what has been avoided, or as we proclaim, to boldly and lovingly proclaim all of it and trust the Lord to do what he's going to do. So, um, this is what J.I. Packer says in regards to these things. A half-truth masquerading as a whole truth becomes a complete untruth. You see why the and is so important. It is very possible to completely compromise the gospel by leaving out aspects of the gospel that some might find offensive. Or if I'm drawn to a certain truth or beauty of God, to go there rather than to see all of his glory, to kind of draw myself to the things that I'm drawn to and, and connect with. For instance, an, an, an attribute of God that I love, but an attribute over here that I, eh, I don't know about that, I'm just going to leave that out. We do not create God. We are to worship the God in the fullness of his revelation. And we don't choose between who he is and who he isn't. He is. He is the God who is. So there, there are moments in theology where you have either-or moments, right? There, there's either-or moments. Either Jesus is the risen Savior or he's not, right? He, he's, he's either alive today or he's still in the grave. It's an either-or. Well, we know that he's alive. He rose. But there are also moments where there are both ands to be said. And frankly, sometimes in theology, especially as we study our Bibles, we may be inclined to one, just by personality or past experience, to emphasize one aspect of God that we love and kind of live there and want to kind of stiff arm the other. So it's a both and that oftentimes in theology we're called to as we study our Bibles. So the and matters. The and matters. It is the word of God that gives us the full picture. This is what's so cool about this. One of the reasons we are expository in our preaching uh, is that we love to just follow the word wherever it goes. This is the sufficient word of God. The full picture that we need has been given to us. It is authoritative. It is true today. It will be true forever. So if we want to know who he is, we can find the answer to that, at least to know him truly through his word. It is ours to do the work such that we are equipped when we proclaim this God, this Savior. We want to proclaim the fullness of the gospel, the whole gospel. So let me set some context for us because I think at times a gospel that is proclaimed in a certain context may be indeed adjusted and it might land on us and, be, and we're just kind of like, what, what is going on there? Okay, so let me just say this. Marxism is trending. This is not news to you. You know this. this. This movement has been afoot for a long time, but it has kind of been popularized of late. I feel like kind of the curtain has been pulled back to see this agenda and um, really the, the echo of this that has played out in the last handful of years is incredible. I think connected to that is the He Gets Us campaign. I think there is a desire to kind of play off of this mindset, this victimization issue with this He Gets Us campaign. 
Um, I would say this is no better than a PR campaign for Jesus. The problem is, is the Jesus that they are promoting is often misrepresented, not the Savior in the Scriptures. Let me just show you one of, I think, the most popular videos that has circulated the world from the He Gets Us campaign. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families. They swore allegiance to him. They roamed the hood. And I'm kind of like, they did? Did, did, Where are we? Who are we talking about? I think we're talking about Jesus. That's what they're trying to, so it's kind of like this, this Jesus that's dropped into Brooklyn or something amidst the protests and the glass breaking and the law enforcement uh, riots and on and on. So they challenged authority. They, they made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Re- religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. And now all of a sudden, and this this plays out with all the images of, you know, rioting taking place and, and angry confrontations and, you know, police cars burning. Okay, so that you see the, the goal here. Here's the jump. Jesus was wrongly judged. And then they say this. He gets us. All of us. 88 million plus views around the world. And and here's my struggle with this. This is a false portrayal of Jesus. As if to say that Jesus was such a social justice warrior that if he were here today, he would be in the ranks with Antifa throwing stuff at the cops, or breaking glass down there, rioting, and saying no justice, no peace. Is that the Savior of the Bible? Answer, no. So what is this then? This is an attempt to bring connection through victimization. This is Marxism. That's what it is. It is is a goal to kind of establish like a connection to Jesus by saying, well, Jesus was also misjudged, just like all of you protesters, just like all of you who are angry and have left your jobs just to protest and roam the hood. Critical race theory has found new energy in our day. At the very core of this is this this oppressor versus oppressed. Nothing new here. This is classic Marxism. Why is the emphasis on victimization so powerful? Well, because if you can find a reason to be a victim, you can find a right to respond as you please. And this is really what we're seeing. If I am the recipient of victimization, then I am justified to respond in ways that otherwise I may not be. So I want to try to find all the reasons why I can be oppressed and then stick it to the oppressor. Was Jesus wrapped up in this? What kind of savior is being proclaimed here? 
Was Jesus anti-law enforcement? Was he roaming the hood with a bunch of outlaws? Trying to just be a disruptor? Trying to, 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 to kind of pull down the system? Is that what he was doing? No. No. It's not who he was. There's a gospel that wants to meet these longings. And it's a false gospel. It's a partial gospel at best, is what I would say. There are many inclined, and I think left to ourselves, we would, we would love the sound of these things. I, I want to feel love for who I am. Don't, don't change me. Don't confront me. Just love me right here, right where I am today, and accept me for who I am. I want to be pitied for what I've gone through. I want you to understand my victimization and enter into my pain. I don't want you to point out things that I may have done. Just enter into the place where I am and join me and get mad with me. I want to feel intimately understood and accepted. I want to experience a sense of personal significance. Make much of me. Put me at the center. Oh, friends, a man-centered gospel is such a wimpy gospel. We can't handle that kind of uh, of focus. I want to gain self-esteem. Oh, in our day, the self-esteem movement is rampant. But where in the Bible is this called for? To to, to promote our self-esteem? I want to be told that I am enough, that I got this. I want my opinions applauded and my desires affirmed, all of them. And if you don't, then you don't accept me, which means you don't love me, which means I don't need you. So if Jesus is going to be heralded to the crowds who come with this longing, we've got to adjust him a bit and make sure they understand, well, he gets us. He gets us. Friends, don't fall for it. All the millions of dollars that are being squandered on this campaign, they sadden me. They misrepresent the Jesus of Scripture. And they fail to account for a very significant aspect of the gospel. It is an incomplete gospel, a therapeutic Savior that's held out. Uh, one who is a healing, close, and loving Savior. However, he's, he's indifferent to your sin. He, he's not worried about the fact that you're a perpetrator. He's just focused on the fact that you're a victim. This is not a complete gospel. Or if we respond to this inclination to to have a Jesus that's just warm hugs and and close to try to correct it, we we could run way off into the weeds on the other end. So we have a stoic savior and he's just up there with a stern face. Fine, I will save you. And I will love you, but I do not have to like you. Is that our Savior? Just distant and stern and begrudgingly saving you sinners. Repent already. Just just do it. Is that the kind of Jesus we have? No. That is not a complete gospel. You see how important it is to stay true to the Word of God rather than to run this way or this way into the weeds. Why would we offer a therapeutic savior? I think for fear of offense. 
it, there's, a, there's a moment in evangelism where we have to confront sin. It has to be done. And it's hard. It's hard when someone you care about, someone you love, you're like, okay, uh, here's the great news. The gospel is the good news. God is loving and he's kind and he's compassionate. He sees you. He enters into your pain and your hurt. Yes, true. And, and you're a sinner, a rebel. You've stored up wrath from the Father. And unless you repent, you will perish in your sins. You see the and? It's called the pain line. I like Rico Tice has a book where he talks about that. There's a pain line in evangelism that has to be crossed where you risk offense. And it has to be, we, we have to go there. Don't leave the and off. Show them the full glory of the Savior. Why would be we inclined to a stoic Savior indifferent to pain? Well, we might overreact and really what's happening in us would then be a lack of love, right? A lack of True compassion. Does our heart break when we see hurting people who don't have Christ? Do we just melt with love and longing for them to know salvation in Christ? Do we see their pain? And does it meet us like it met Jesus? So we cannot accept the, the either or on this topic. We must live with the and and proclaim the full gospel. That is our goal. So let me emphasize the first of these things, which is gloriously true. Jesus is indeed a loving, kind, and gentle Savior. Listen to this. Rest for the weary. This is true. Go to Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Hear that today, Christian. Hear that. If you're here and you're not a believer, listen to those words. Come to me, Jesus says. Arms open. Come. Come to me. All who are weary. Are you weary today? Are you burdened? You're sick and worn out and tired of this experience have you been hurt deeply by the sin of others? Have you been transgressed against greatly? Do you feel the impact of that today? Listen to the words of a Savior who is there, right there. Come, come to me, come, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Do you want rest today? There is a person who can give you that. His name is Jesus. His love is great. Listen to what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come, look at the invitation. Come and learn. Take this yoke upon you. He says this, I'm gentle and lowly or humble in heart. He's not a standoffish savior. He's not standing back and saying, you clean yourself up and then maybe you can come into my presence. No, he is coming close and he's right there and he's saying, I am here. Good news. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now in contrast to the Pharisees who would heap up all the rules and all the regulations, who could keep the hundreds and hundreds of rules they had? No one, if they're honest. 
Jesus comes in and he says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke is meant to to help spread the burden and carry the load. And it's an easy yoke comparatively. And it's light. Rest for the weary. Oh, friends, this is good news. We live in a world shattered and broken and dark. We ourselves, apart from the grace of God, we live in that place. Some of you have gone through tremendous hurt and pain. I've heard many of your stories. And my heart breaks. Not all of us have experienced the same kind of pain and hurt and betrayal. But all of us here today can experience the kind of love held out by this Savior whose arms are wide open and he's close and he's saying, come, bring it to me, bring it to me. He is a loving and kind Savior. He is a warm and welcoming Savior. He is a compassionate and close Savior. He is humble and approachable. Though He is God, though He is King, He is inviting today, arms open wide, come, come. I love this. I love this. A gentle and humble Savior. The glory of Christ. It's the glory of Christ. Listen to some verses that describe our God. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Are you here and you need that today? I've got good news. There is a Savior who can indeed do that for you. He can heal your broken heart. He can bind up your wounds. He is able and he is willing. How amazing is that? When he went ashore, Jesus, this is, by the way, this is after he's been pouring himself out, just constantly ministering and healing and helping and teaching and preaching, and he's exhausted. And he says to his disciples, we've got to go somewhere and recharge. We need to go somewhere isolated and, and alone. And so they set course on the Sea of Galilee, and they're heading out to the north, northeast corner, and, and they think they found a spot where no one is. Well, the people figured out where they were going. And they arrived, and as they, the boat hits the land, the crowds are there. And I'll be honest, if I was Jesus at this point, I might put a stiff arm up and say, I can't even. I just can't. I'm out of gas. Listen to our Savior's response and learn of his heart. He saw a great crowd. There's tons of people. And he had compassion on them. He showed, felt deep from within this love. And what did he do? He met them in their needs. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And his love was poured out in ministry. This is our Savior. I was struck by John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And now listen to this. Listen. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. 
Never. Think of how glorious this is. There is never a point in time when someone comes to Jesus and he's like, oh, nope, that's too messy. I'm not getting involved. Too much sin. Nope, nope. Too much hurt, too much pain. Can't, can't, can't do it. He says, come, and I will not only receive you, I will keep you. I will keep you, and I will love you to the end. I will never cast you out. That means on your worst day, he holds on. On your worst day, he holds on. Hmm. He sees you today. He knows your situation. He understands your hurts. He, he invites you to come to him. He is a tender and loving Savior. All of this is gloriously true. Hear this today. He gets you. That's the context that this line lands. He gets you. He knows. He understands. He's, he's been through the fire. He knows what it's like to be tempted and tested, to hurt and suffer, to be betrayed and mocked. He is tender and loving, and his arms are open. I love the old hymn by F.W. Faber. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in his justice that's more than liberty. For the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Isn't that glorious? It's so true. His heart is love epitomized. What a Savior we have. It means there's hope for the hurting. There's healing for the brokenhearted. There's comfort for the downcast. There is strength, strength for the weak. Wherever you're at and wherever you came in today, I can tell you this. There is a, a loving, gentle, humble Savior whose arms are open. Behold the glory of Christ. Behold His glory. He is a savior of hurting people. Okay. What if I prayed right there? What if I just closed in prayer? What's missing? You see what I'm saying? This is where the and comes to life. This is where the and meets that moment with your neighbor, your friend, your coworker. The and is essential. Why? Well, because right now, this Jesus didn't need to die. He just needed to live and put an arm around you. There's no cross necessary unless more is said. The and has to be in the mix. While we say all of what we just said here, this is beautifully true. It's all gloriously true. There's more. It's a both and here. So let's look at that. He is also a savior who brings forgiveness for sinners. Forgiveness for sinners. There is no gospel proclaimed if the word sin is not spoken. Know this. I was in a situation just recently where a large crowd was gathered and the gospel that was proclaimed stopped where I stopped. And that was it. And I was like, what? 
What about sin? What about crucifixion? What about atonement? What about forgiveness? If we don't proclaim all of the story, no one gets saved. It's so important to keep the full range of the glory of Christ in our proclamation. None is righteous, Romans 3 says. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not even the victim of the sin of others. No one does good, which means we are, we are not only victims, we are perpetrators, friends. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see how the gospel meets us there and just grows in its glory? All of this is true. He's loving and he's close and he's a gentle Savior. He says, come. And he's saying that to the likes of us. Perpetrators of sin. Rebels. Haters of God. Transgressors. Those worthy of eternal hell and fire and wrath. He says that to us. It makes it all the more amazing and all the more glorious. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Listen to his words. Repent and believe. Repent. Turn from your sins. Stop running against God in transgression and righteousness for yourselves to try to build your own earthly kingdoms and satisfy sinful longings. Turn from that darkness and embrace the gift of life. Trust in the Son. Believe in Him. Jesus said, I've, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I came to call sinners to repentance, which means if you have heard a gospel that failed to do that, you need to ask yourself, have I accounted for some of the most significant reality in my life, which is sin? I'm a sinner. And I need to turn from that sin, away from that sin, and trust Jesus. Hmm. The reality of the sin, the cross of Jesus Christ, the call to repentance, all must be a part of the end. It must be in there. Not to diminish at all the love that he shows us, his compassion and mercy. It only causes this to live all the more when the and is in view. It's more amazing. It's, just, it's grace. Amazing grace that saved a what? A wretch. A wretch like me. Sure, I've been sinned against, but I'm a sinner in need of more than just a hug. In this is love, not that we have loved God. We don't deserve this. We weren't down there like, oh, Lord, we love you. Come save us. And he's like, oh, I can't help myself. You guys are so awesome. I'm coming to save you. No, he says, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. He chose to love us while we were still sinners. Christ died. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to satisfy the wrath of God the Father that we had stored up fully for ourselves in the fires of hell. That's what we deserve. 
And Jesus comes and says, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. I lay my life down to pay that atonement in full. That's love, friends. That's the full glory of the love of our Savior. In Him, that is in Jesus, Paul says to the Ephesian church, we have redemption. How? How? Through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. According to the riches of His grace. So, here's the thing. If Jesus is only a buddy, but He is not bloody, we have not proclaimed all of the gospel. You see how important this is? We need more than a friend in Jesus. We need the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, who died in our place. Yes, we need love, but we also need life. We're not just weary, we're enslaved in our sins. We are slaves of sin, bound up in darkness. We are not only the victims of sin, we are perpetrators. You see why I'm saying this? It's so important to see both. Both in the gospel we delight in and worship God for and the gospel we proclaim and share to those that we care about. Hallelujah, what a Savior. This is the fullness of His glory. That He would love us in this way in the face of our rebellion and sin. Does He meet us in our hurt and pain? Yes, He does. He does. And he meets us in our desperate need for rescue from the wrath of God. It's a both and. Not an either or. So remember the and, Good Shepherd Bible Church. Remember the and. In your worship of God, delight in this. You notice in our singing, they're both there. They're on display wonderfully there. And in our proclaiming. Love must be willing to risk offense. Don't hold back from that pain line. If you've been holding back, today is the day. This week, this month, find an opportunity to cross that line because you care. You're not standing off in judgment saying, I don't care. No, you're saying, listen, it's because I care that I've got to point out the fact that you are a sinner just like me. Just like me. You're a sinner. And we together should go to the fires of hell under the wrath of God. Repent of your sins and look to Jesus and you will be saved. He can save you. He saved me. Risk offense. Reject the incomplete gospel and rejoice in the full glory of Christ. That is our call today. The and helps us to get there. So our response, just one thing. The warm embrace of Jesus. Do you know it? Do you know what it's like? Do, do you know what it's like to experience the love of Christ? I pray that everyone who came in this room today came in with that experience. Tangible, real, actual love of Jesus Christ. He is a Savior who is close. He meets us in our brokenness <laughs> Why are we broken? It's because we're sinners. Yes, we've been sinned against. Why the burden? Well, it's guilt and shame. We carry it. We're never meant to carry this. Come lay it down. 
Come know the love of Christ today. His arms are open and the call is come. Come. What keeps you back? What's holding you back? Don't wait another day. Come and know the love, the warm embrace of Jesus. Come experience forgiveness of sin. Repent of your sins. Stop living in the dark. It never satisfies. It doesn't deliver what it promises. You want life, joy, eternal? There is only one who can give it. And his arms are outstretched today. So come. Let's pray. Father, we delight in the glory of this gospel. Thank you that it is good news that we have a Savior who knows our hurt and our pain, who sees the, 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 the weight of our experiences and that which has been done to us, but he also sees the offensiveness of our sins and has made provision in full on the cross for all who repent and run to him in faith. We thank you, Jesus, for your full and completed work, and we glory in you today. Be praised and adored, O Savior of the nations, O Savior of sinners, who is loving and kind and gentle and humble. In Jesus' name, amen.